Thank you, thank you. Praise the Lamb. Let's give the Lord praise one more time. Amen? I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go two places with me if you have them with you. Or you can pull out your phone. Um, we're going to go to Numbers 21. Just hold your place there. But I'm going to start out in, in John 3. And before we get to that, I want to say a big thank you uh, for Liz and the team that helped set up for the, the, the friend day today that you're going to enjoy over there next door. And amen. Come on, let's give it up for them. Also, I want to say thank you to the men that came out and worked diligently yesterday, got the place set up, and, and got a lot of other things done. So thank you, guys. Uh, and I just I want you to know how much I greatly appreciate you. And some of you had to stay over and, and just were troopers and got, got the work done. So thank you, thank you. Uh, let's look here, and uh, we're going to start in John. But before we do, I just want to give the, just a little backdrop, if you will, as we look at this passage this morning. And uh, thank you for being here at Crossroads. Let's go to the Lord once more because I don't want you just to come and, and, and hear a sermon. I want the Lord to speak to you, and I want God to encourage you. And ultimately, I want you to receive the revelation that he wants to transform you into his likeness and his image because he's got a plan and a purpose for you. Father, we come before you, Lord, today. And Lord, I'm just asking God, let, hide me, Father. Hide me in the shadow of the cross, Lord God. Echo, Lord, from eternity, Lord God. Speak, Father, to this room, Lord. Let your word, God, begin to illuminate. Bring revelation, Lord God, and inspiration today that, that will literally bring, Lord God, some, some application, Lord, that will cause some transformation, Lord. I, I know, Father God, that there's a harvest, Lord, that need to be reaped, but God, we, we got a lack of labors, Lord God. Raise up some labors in this house, Lord, in this day in which we are living, Lord. And Father, let your smile of favor so shine upon them, Lord, and let the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, Lord God, as they lay hands upon the sick, let them see them recover. Lord God, as they display the glory of the Lord in their life, Lord God, let others be drawn, Father God, to you and to a life, Lord God, of redemption. And God, I just want to thank you, Lord God, today for your mercy. Holy Spirit, I rely entirely upon you today. Speak, and we will receive. And everybody said amen. Now, as we look at John 3, we're going we're gonna to carry on from there. It's amazing as I was just out one morning during devotions and, and the Lord just began to speak to me out of John 3. And I was going to get to that message this week, but the more I look at it, the more profound this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus is becoming. As you look there at the Word of God, I believe that John, come on some of you Bible students, would you agree with me? This may be one of the most profound conversations in the Word of God. It may be, I do know that it is absolutely theologically dense with understanding of salvation, understanding the power of the Spirit of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, with that said, we, we found out last week that the question was, can I change? Can I truly change? Can I be different than what I am? What I was, can I be different than where I was born? And the answer to that question is absolutely you can. In fact, uh, it is God's intent to change you. It is his purpose to change you. That's the message of the good news is to change us into the, what we are meant to be. And we looked last week at as Jesus having the conversation with Nicodemus, he said to him, he said, Nicodemus, you, you've got to be, you, you, you've, uh, you've asked for this meeting, and so here is what I'm going to share with you. You must be born from above. You've got to be born again. And we saw last week what, what it looks like to be, be changed. You leave old and you come into new. Now, the question I want to answer today is this, how am I changed? We're going to find that in the conversation. How am I changed? I want you to, we're going to skip down to verse 9 in chapter 3. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? 
Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. You do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Whoa. The man who who came down from heaven who is in heaven. Think about that for just a moment. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Can somebody who's saved say amen? Now, how to capture the understanding of what the Lord is trying to say here, we've got to look at this strange, strange comparison that I didn't make, Jesus made. Now, you look at this, it, it seems somewhat odd, especially if you don't understand the history. That's why we're going to go to Numbers 21. Just like the serpent was lifted up on the pole, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Kind of bizarre, isn't it? You're thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Wait, history told me that there was a disobedience in the camp, and all of a sudden a snake comes in and bites the people, and everybody's, everybody that uh, was snake bit, a lot of them died. Let's go to Numbers 21. Let's go to Numbers 21. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We're going to answer the question, how can I be changed? It is found right there in that verse. How can I be changed? There is such imagery piled up in there, but you got to know the history. It's so important to read the Word of God. It's so important to digest the Word daily. Oh, I don't have time, preacher. You got time for TikTok. You got time for the Word. You got time for Facebook. You got time for the Word. You got time for Fox News, CNN, uh, NBC, whatever news channel you're watching. You got time for the Word of God. And I assure you, it'll do you more good. You got time for your morning cup of coffee. You got time for the Word of God. Anyway. Numbers 21. Now, you look here. I want, us, I want us to see. Let's go ahead and read. Thank you, Mom. Verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. Our souls loathe this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord, against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, looks upon it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now let's take just a moment, and let's look at this story in Numbers 21. If you look at the timeline 
of when this occurred. So sad to me. During the 39th year of their wilderness wandering, during the 39th year, if you are a Bible student, you understand that they wandered for 40 years and then they entered into the place of promise. They were nearing the finish line. And they made this complaint, we don't have any water. What about the water flowing from the rock? We don't have any bread. What about the manna falling upon the earth? And the Bible said that they became discouraged. They were discouraged in their soul. I know that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, it, it, uh, it, sometimes you go after something, you go after something, you go after something, and you're looking, and you're looking, and you're looking, and you're just hoping and waiting and anticipating and, and wondering. Uh, but you know, the truth is, uh, the 40 years of wondering wasn't God's idea. Come on, let's get real. You know, we always want to point the finger at God and say, you're the one to blame, but it wasn't his idea to wonder. He wanted to take them straight from bondage through the wilderness into the promises. They're the ones that decide, hey, we're going we're gonna to delay this a little bit. Now they got discouraged in the process. And let me tell you, folks, discouragement can and will become dangerous in your life. So you start out with disillusionment. Disillusionment, when... When things don't work out like I believe they should work out. Disillusionment. If we stay there long enough, we're going to lead right over into discouragement. I had a Bible teacher tell me one time, if the enemy could take all the weapons off the table and just leave one to use against the church, that weapon would be discouragement. Because discouragement will lead you to disenfranchisement. If you stay, if you don't get over disillusionment, you find yourself in discouragement, you'll separate from the very thing that can cause you life and health and well-being. You will disenfranchise. You will move out of the way. But see, they came to the place and the people spoke against God and Moses. We're not just going to speak against God, we're going to speak against the church, against the leadership. Somebody's to blame. We've got to find somebody. To, 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 to take, we got to take care of this. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no food, no water. Our souls loathe this worthless bread. See, that bread was there to prove them, to see whether or not when they stepped into the land of promise that they would obey the commands of God. You know the, the tell sign of all seeds sown that will eventually produce fruit? You know what the, the, the tell sign to the fact is whether we really committed or we're not committed? Time. Time is the tell-all to the fruit that we bear. Because if you stay with the Lord long enough, you will, it will be proven in your walk with God. It's not those that begin the journey, it's those that aren't finishing the journey, those that are steadfast to the, all the way to the end. So time, I love to see people respond to an altar. My hope and prayer is that there will be a response today. But what I'm looking for is the transformation that will be bore over time, that you don't just come one time, you're in for the long haul, and it doesn't matter what it looks like, I'm in with the Lord it's an all in commitment see where did they sit in their, 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 their hearts their soul of the people became very discouraged see the lost vision they got so stuck on where they were at and they were so close to the finish line so close to the finish line it's like it's just right there it's just right that just a few months from now, we will be stepping into that place. 39 years, Aaron just died. In that same year, Aaron died. In the following year, they're going to step over into the land of promise. But it got to the place, and they didn't see or the, the heavenly provision that was taking place. You're eating supernatural provision every day. 
but they loathed it. Can we go that far? The Word of God is a supernatural provision for you that will sustain your heart, sustain your life. It will enable you. And it's time that we get out of the doldrum of the boringness of the Word of God and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what you want me to know because you have provided this Word for me. I feel some non-Bible readers in here this morning, but I'm going to move on. See, they, they lost the vision of the end of the road. They lost the vision of the end of the road. They stopped looking forward. Let me tell somebody in this house today, you can't look forward and look back at the same time. You can't look forward and look back at the same time. You've got to keep the end in focus. I know that there is suffering. There's suffering in this room I've heard reports this morning that tears my heart out because of the pain that have, they have endured and they have endured it uh, uh, this morning and it, it, it just grieves your spirit to hear those things. But let me tell you, we must keep the end in focus. we got to keep moving forward. And when we start looking back and we start longing for the things that were familiar, they, they, they got to the place where the familiarity of bondage became more appealing to the challenge of change. The familiarity of bondage became more appealing than the challenge of change. See, it's not what others are doing to you that will stop you from fulfilling God's will. It is not God's fault, nor the preacher's fault, nor the church's fault as to where you are at in your spiritual journey today. The devil cannot stop you. No other person has been given the destiny that the Lord has mapped out for you. You can be your own worst enemy because you're unwilling to allow God to change you. I want you to know today, there is every time that there's something begins to happen in my life, the first thing I ask God to do is change my circumstance. Change it. Come on, any honest people in the house? Lord, change it. Change it. There are many times that the Lord does. He'll change if that is his will. There are other times, I would say more often than not, the situation stays the same. And he starts changing me. Amen. There it is. That's the key. That is usually the last question I ask, not the first. <laughs> Lord, change me. My present circumstance and situation, whatever I'm in right now, you're having a conversation with the Lord. I've, Lord, I've asked you to change it. You're not changing it. That person's not changing. The relationship's not changing. Uh, the circumstance is not changing. Uh, then, Lord, you must be up to something. Lord, let me see what changes you're making in me. See, it takes the focus off of everyone else, uh, and it takes you back into that intimacy with the Lord. Uh, and then in that intimacy of the Lord, uh, that's where God does his work. Uh, he will do it in secret, and then you will see it on the outside. Amen? So as you look here to the Word of God, what we see, let me just throw this in here. What happened is they stopped looking forward. They started looking behind, and they stopped serving. When we stop serving, we start destroying. When we start serving, we start restoring. See, there's some daddies in the camp, and their heart wasn't wholly committed to God, and they lost vision. Let me tell you an absolute certain sign that you have lost vision. You start complaining. You think it is your, you're getting paid for it. It's like you're, you, you hit the clock. I've checked in to the complaint department. That's my gift in the body of Christ. I'm going to fix everything by whining my way through it. 
Let me tell you, I don't believe that we should be popping the top of a bottle and drinking wine, but I think the biggest wine that we need to throw away is our whiny spirit. Amen? Because what it tells me is you've lost your vision. When you start complaining, then you're ultimately telling the world, you're telling hell, and they're clapping because that is their praise music. Yes. Yes. Get them to lose vision, and they will start complaining, and they will start destroying. See, when you stop serving, what do I mean by serving? When a father decides he's not going to lead his family in righteousness anymore, he's not serving the need of his family. And what happens? It starts tearing down the family structure. When mom decides that she's not going to give herself over to the Lord, what is she doing? She's now destroying. Destroying. But see, when we start serving the needs of others more than ourselves... We start restoring. And it doesn't matter what part of the journey that you're on right now. You may have a whole wake of destructive behavior that is behind you. But if your family and those closest to you see that you are serious about serving God, you will put him first. And now you will begin to see things will begin to happen. And time will reveal the fact that there is a restoration that is taking place. Because you have decided it's not just about me. When I came into the kingdom of God, I knew it wasn't about me. I needed to be a son before I was a husband. And I needed to be a a, a husband before I was a father. And I needed to be a father before I was a grandfather. I needed all of those things in place so that I could serve my family and my God so that those things would follow. I don't know. This might help you. That's not even a message. That is all free to you today. <laughs> but I want you to notice the story that took place. And, and some of the, what, what I described there is many persons' life right now. And you've been asking, God, can I change? And how can I change? And how can I change the outcome of my situation? How do I get from discouragement to encouragement? How do I get from, a, from, a, from, from griping and complaining to gratefulness? And, and, and how do I get to the place where I stop looking at and holding myself prisoner to my past? And I start looking to a future that you have in store for me. And I start believing that, God, you really want to bring me out of my wilderness of my understanding and bring me over into a place where I truly am changed. We're going to start here. It's amazing how that the Lord starts something and then it just repeated in the Word of God. You know what we have right here? We have another garden episode. What do you mean by that? That garden episode. Well, we've got a, we got a provision issue, and we've got a snake, <laughs> and we got some folks there that got caught in the crosshairs. Are you with me? Are you with me? What happened in the garden? God provided for all of their needs. He, he brought it about by his spoken word. And it was always a complaint. Uh, the enemy came and tempted them of what they, God's shorting you. He's, he's holding out on you. There's something you don't know. You don't know what he knows. And, and, and so uh, here, I've got something tantalizing and, and tempting for you. Go ahead and take this because if you eat this, then ultimately you're going to have everything you think you would possibly need. <laughs> oh, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> so now we have uh, what happened in the garden is humanity was snake bit. Snake bit, fiery serpent, fiery serpent bit. And the reason they call it a fiery serpent is because the poison began to move through their body in such a painful manner because they loathe the supernatural provision of God. They loathe the supernatural provision of God so much they said, we don't even have anything to eat. Mmm. Miriam Brand said this, the desire to commit sin is not simply a tendency to commit a sinful act. Did you get that? 
The desire to commit sin is not only is not simply a tendency to commit a sinful act. It is an internal toxin, a condition of sinfulness from which the human must be freed. Humanity was snake bit in the garden. Who is hot in here? I'm going to get in trouble. Who's cold in here? One, give me two, three, 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 three. We're taking an auction here on the cold or the heat. Did you want to? I'm in a no-win situation. Devin, reach up here and turn that air on. Randall, reach up here and turn that air on. I'm hot. All right. I need to preach. Quit worrying about the air. So what we have when we're born into this world, we have this condition, this toxin that's inside of us. See, the Lord gives the imagery there in his word how that they complained against God. They, they didn't see the supernatural provision. Ultimately, we would understand in the New Testament context that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the supernatural provision in your life. And there was a community of covenant people that loathed the provision that God had given. So what we, we have here is we have this toxin of sin that's coursing through the veins of humanity from the garden. And there's only one cure for that. And Jesus declares to Nicodemus, I am that cure. Now, we see that cure. He said, just like the bronze the, the bronze serpent that was lifted in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, it is amazing to me how intricate God weaves his word so that when you look at the word of God, you see that in the garden, humanity is bitten and the toxin of sin begins to course through their, through their body and they cannot free themselves from this toxicity. It is just there. If you try to become a moral person and outlive or try to be good enough, you'll never accomplish the works of the law. But what happens is there must be a, a, a cure for the poison of sin coursing through your vein. And the only way that can take place is there has to be someone who comes and offers himself sacrifice who has never sinned so that you may now become what God has purpose for you to be. And that is a son or daughter to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But we see here that the Lord instructs Moses, I want you to make an image of the very thing that is killing them. I want you to make the image of the very thing that is destroying those that are in the camp. And I want you to make it out of bronze. I want you to Make it out of bronze. I want you to take that copper tin mixture and I want you to make out of that crucible, I want you to make the very image of the thing that is killing them. If you know Bible, you understand that bronze is used as imagery for judgment. Imagery for judgment. So I want you to take the very thing that is killing them and I want, you to make, I want you to make it out of bronze, and I want you to put it on a pole because they're not going to understand that day. But there's coming a time in a generation where Jesus will reveal, and they will understand what it means by this conversation that he's having with Nicodemus. See, the image of the thing is sin, and he makes it out of bronze, and sin has been judged, and he sets it upon a pole. And Jesus is declaring to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. 
you got to be born of water of creation, but there's going to be a, a spear that pierces my side, and water's going to come forth, and there's going to be a birth from above. There's going to be a passing through the waters. There's going to be a, 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 a pre-flood and after-flood, a pre-Red Sea and an after-Red Sea, a pre-Jordan and an after-Jordan. There will be a transformation that supernaturally takes place. But let me throw this in there. Well, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. See, I want you to notice that verse before the verse. Are you, are you tracking with me this morning? Are you tracking with me this morning? I want you to notice the verse before the verse there. And he said, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. What did Jesus just say? I'm occupying in two separate dimensions. I'm on earth, but I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven, but I'm on earth. And everyone, <laughs> in other words, what he's saying is I'm righteous. I am as I ought to be. I'm righteous. I am as I ought to be. And so he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness in him. Righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. In other words, as you look at the, 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 the bronze serpent on the pole, what you see is the serpent was the bronze serpent was the judgment for sin. When Jesus hung on the cross, he became sin for us. And it was judged in him. And now we have become the righteousness of God in him. And so if he is as he ought to be on earth, and we are to bear his image on earth, we are as he should be, as we should be in him. And we occupy a dual occupancy. We are children, not just to this earth. We got a home that maybe we haven't physically seen yet, but we're heading to a place that belongs to us by inheritance. We occupy heaven and earth at the same time. So I'm reading through this. I see the serpent on the pole. Immediately the passage comes to me. I became what you were not so that you can become what you were not. Jesus speaking. How am I changed? The same way they were changed. Well, how were they changed? Well, we read it in the text. Go make this bronze servant. The fact is, everyone's snake bit are going to die. They're going to die. They're not going to make it. They will die. The only cure is they have to look on the, they have to look. They have to look at the sacrifice that was made. They have to look up there at the sacrifice that was made. And in looking at the sacrifice, they're accepting that sacrifice as their payment for sin. And then they just go do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, and however they want to do it. No. No, because only when you see it. See, the word of the Lord tells us there in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, uh, the 12th chapter in the second verse, looking unto G, looking, what? Looking unto Jesus, the author, the one who writes our faith, and the one, the finisher of our faith. For the, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Where is Jesus right now? He's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. Where is Jesus now? He is sitting down in the throne of my heart. Where am I seated? I am seated at the right hand of the Father. Where is, where, what, what am I doing in this earth? I am there exposing to the world, showing them, look, your sin has been judged, and now you can become the righteousness of God in Christ. 
we are seated with him in heavenly places. How am I changed? How am I changed? When I exhaust all the resources of my own physical being and I try to change myself through behavior modification and I find out it's not working. No matter how hard I try, my nature keeps drawing me back in. That toxin is still piercing through my veins and I know that I know that I know. The damnation awakes me. It it awakes me. It awakes me. We live in that state, in that place. And so you look at that and you exhaust yourself and you you say, I'm going to do better this time. I'm going to listen to the message and I'm going to start doing better this time. But you've never come to the place where you've looked at him as the author of your faith. You've never looked at him as the finisher of your faith. You've never looked at him and said, Lord, what you have done is enough for my salvation. And now I surrender my life entirely to you. I give it up. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? There's a lot of folks that are giving away their soul for so little trinkets. I'm going to close with this. Andrea brought this story up in life class this morning. My best friend in all the world grew up with him. We saw him walking to school. We lived close in the neighborhood, and I started walking to school together in grade school. His name was James. James and I played sports together. He was an exceptional athlete. We, we, we practically, once, the, once we kind of met, we just became, I spent more time in his house than I spent at my own. We, we did everything together. He was my best friend in the entire world. I got saved. Surrendered to the Lord. It was one of those relationships where he knew that our family, his mother knew that our family was, didn't have a lot of means, and she would go out and she would buy me Christmas presents. One night, James was not there, and he and his little brother Jimmy, which is close in age, we go to a party. Jimmy gets in a fight. Jimmy's always fighting. Anybody have those friends are always fighting with somebody? You put a little alcohol in them, they get a little more violent. <laughs> Jimmy walked away from the party, and we all went home that night, went to our other buddy's house, and we got word that somebody died on the Lake Road, teenager, that night. No identity, no anything. All those buddies there, I said, we got to go tell, we got to go tell James's mom. Like, I ain't doing that. They weren't so brave then. A group of about five or six guys, and I said, we got to go tell them. So I made my way to the house, and I went in and told his mother. I said, Wanda, I don't know this for sure, but I think, I think Jimmy got killed last night. She said some profanities. She said, don't be messing with me. She, I said, Wanda, you know I wouldn't mess with you. So you go to the funeral home. Sure enough, a 16-year-old boy's life is gone over some stupid alcoholic party. you think that would be enough to sober me up, but it didn't. I kept going on my journey. You think that might get James's attention, but it didn't. We just kept going on our journey. We drank more than we drank before. We did more drugs than we did before. We found new drugs to start doing. And then the Lord convicted me of my sins. And I said, oh, God, I, I, I can't do this. He said, son, I know you can't. But if you'll look to me, 
if you'll look to the judgment that's already been paid for your sins, if you will look to me as the author and the finisher, if you will just surrender your life to me, I will give you myself. And I did. And I made a beeline to James because I love him. And I said, James, you've got to give your heart to God. You've got to give your heart. Man, I've just like, he was, he was, I just, I, it was like ugly on rye. It was like ugly on the ape. I mean, I was on him. It might have been the, the, the best possible uh, evangelism strategy. But I'm like, James, you've got to get right. You've got to get right. And so I brought him to our Pentecostal church. Scared the bejeebies out of him. Like, you need this. You need this. And I pleaded with him for months and years. He's so hard headed. I said, No, I will not. I don't want anything to do with that. We were pastoring in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and I get a call that Jimmy, not Jimmy, James, had driven to his death. Not only killed himself driving home from a bar one night, but he killed the person with him. And I had to go to his funeral. Most bizarre funeral I've ever done. It was on the front lawn of their house. A place where we spent eons of time in and out of there doing all kinds of crazy things. Stood there on that front porch and I was instructed by the family, don't preach him into hell. I certainly couldn't preach him into heaven. As I'm looking out there at all of the lost souls that were looking back at me that filled up the yard and into the street, sitting on their tailgates, knowing where James was at. When all he had to do was look to surrender. You think, well, is, is it as simple as that? Well, when you look to him as the sacrifice for your sins, and you look to him in understanding that his identity over your life is far better than anything that you would choose, and that his plan for your life is far greater than any plan that you have for yourself. And so when I personally came to that place of surrender, I looked with deep conviction as to where I had been and the failures that were in my life. And I looked to him, and his conviction brought me to the place to realize he must be Lord. And when I made him my Lord, he became my Savior. And I surrendered all to him, and I'm here today. And there's been times that have tested the resolve that I had. But folks, there are those that are in this house, and they have been tested through time, and they're still holding on to the hand that's holding on to them. And they're saying, I have surrendered all. I belong to the Lord. I don't belong to the world. I don't belong to anybody else. He became what he was not so I could become what I am not. A child of the king. Child of the king. And he is so faithful. And he's so loving. And he's so empowering. And he's so beautiful. Oh, let me tell you, whatever the enemy has given you today as a substitute for changing into the grace portrait that God wants to do is not worth it today. Today is your day of salvation. Today. Today. What is it? How am I changed? You're changed by the power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You're changed by the fact that he has made the sacrifice on your behalf. And now you respond to God in faith in that sacrifice. And he responds to you in grace. By empowering you to do 
what you couldn't do before. The grace of God is such a beautiful, beautiful portrait of his sacrifice. And let me say to you, if you're serving a version of God that doesn't free you from your damnation or your sin and leaves you in bondage, you have woefully missed the good news that I'm trying to share with you. Because the good news of Jesus Christ is that he is transformative. I don't go back to the pig pen. I've lost my taste for the slop. I don't go back to the, to the self-hatred because I've lost my taste for it. I've been feasting on something better, and the Word of God is so much better. It is God's written expression of who He is to us. Jesus is the living expression who lives inside of our hearts, and He stamps the approval of the Word of God in us and says, Yes, that is who I am, and yes, this is who you are. Our theme this year, it wasn't because it rhymes, it's just something that got inside my spirit. Free in 2023. Free in 2023. I never imagined how much I'd begin to preach on sin. <laughs> but when the angel came and prophesied to Mary, he told her, your son, when he comes forth, he's going to free his people from, didn't say Satan, didn't say some foreign entity, didn't say from any other visual, individual, said I'm going to free them from their sin. The only way to free them from their sin is you've got to free them from their sinful nature. And the only way to free them from their sinful nature is to change their nature by becoming what he was not, he created us into what we should be. And just as supernatural, every passing, I'm as hungry as you are. Just hold on. Hold on. I get close enough and I can hear your stomachs growl. Just hold on. Just like every occurrence that took place of the passing through the waters, supernatural, miraculous, never happened before flood now the other side of the flood now we have the red sea they're there they can't cross over they can't get through we got the bondage of satan there and now we're going to we're going to take them from a from an old world to a new world they're going to take them from a from a the tyranny of satan the pharaoh a, a type and now we're going to step them over into a, a new reality where they're no longer under that under that bondage of sin and now we're going to take them through the wilderness of their understanding test their obedience so that they can step into the place of promise. But he didn't create us for sin. He didn't create us for the wilderness. He created us to live in the promises as sons and daughters. And so he's going to take us through the Jordan and get us on the other side. And now, just as miraculous as every child born into this world, they come out on the other side. We are born. We are born out of the darkness and the deep. And we are changed when we say, Lord, we surrender to your Lordship. We surrender surrender to your lordship we surrender to your lordship and he says oh something miraculous is taking place I'm going to renew them into a new creature Woo! stand up give him praise hallelujah come on stand up stand up stand up worship team make your way down hallelujah 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 those of you that are wondering, oh my God, what has just happened? There was those in this room today that got excited over the fact that you could respond to God. They get excited over the fact that your life could be transformed today if he would just surrender to his lordship. Stop playing, church. Stop thinking that You've never done anything bad enough to deserve. Get out of the comparison game. Because you might be better than me, you might be better than your neighbor, but you'll never be better than him. There's only one who's lived without sin, and that is 
Christ alone. And the only way we live without sin is Christ alone. He started it, he'll finish it. He started it, he'll finish it. Joseph, just begin to play right now. If you're in this house, I just I want you looking up here at me. I'm going to ask you. Andrew dearly tore me up in life class this morning. It's my friend. He's been in hell. Not a minute, not a moment. But he's been in hell for decades now. never coming out. My father, for all intents and purposes, my hero, is in hell. I buried people that I know, that I know, that I know, that didn't make it. Why? Because the time never revealed fruit in their life. If I could scare you into salvation, I'd show up to your house in the middle of the night and I would be your 3 a.m. wake-up call. I'd be the boogeyman banging on the window, scratching. But it takes more than that. It takes the drawing of the Holy Spirit takes the Holy Spirit pulling you out and saying, today's your day. I can't put that intensity in your heart. I can't put that intensity in your life. This day was created for you. And the decision you make today will, you'll remember throughout eternity. I'm asking you this morning with heads bowed, that's you this morning. I'm not looking for a show of hands. Just step out and say, I'm ready to surrender to his lordship. I want to be changed by the power of his sacrifice by accepting him as Lord. I want to be free. I can't free myself, but I want to be free. I want to be free. I'm going to look to him. If that's you this morning, come on, step out. Step out. We're going to take just a few moments, give you some instruction in the altar. We're going to pray with you. We're going to take communion. We're going to go eat and have a good time. But if it's you, come on. Come on, brother. God loves you, man. Let's wait right here. Right here. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else this morning?